Well, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me up there? I'm just going to give a welcome here in just a couple seconds. Well, good evening. My name is Michael Solt. I'm Dean of the College of Business Administration here. Uh, I'm, and we're the ones who are sponsoring the event tonight, uh, along with our alumni and friends group. I want to thank everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank all of you who have come to hear our panel speak. I think when you think of colleges or universities, everyone thinks about imparting knowledge or creating knowledge. You know, teachers in the classroom with students, uh, sharing information and knowledge with students, uh, faculty members doing their research to create new knowledge. And I guess that's fundamental to what universities are all about. And the college, we think that we need to go further uh, we're a professional school, so classroom success is very important, but also career success is important too. Uh, and I think in general, you, you can go back centuries, you can find that universities have been places to share ideas and be formed for new, new thought. And that's what tonight is. It is a forum. It's a way to reach out to the broad community of students, faculty, a few staff perhaps, and alumni and friends of this great college. We're going to have a great panel. We have uh, animation. We have education. Um, we have uh, database companies. We have virtual reality. We're really covering a wide base tonight, so I, I'm pretty excited. And I, I couldn't be happier about this next part of my introduction here. It's a great partnership that we put together or are working on with Critical Mass Radio. And I'll introduce Asia in a minute, who will introduce Rick Franzi. But I had to figure out, well, what is critical mass? And according to the dictionary, critical mass is an amount of material, such as plutonium, that is large enough to allow a nuclear reaction to occur. Or it's the size, number, or amount of something that is needed to cause a particular result. Rick, I don't know if you're thinking of A or B. But all I, <laughs> hopefully it'd be, but I knew there'd be an explosion. There'll be an explosion of thought, explosion of new ideas, and an explosion of interaction. So I'm, I'm really excited. This is the second event we've done together. And I, I look forward to more explosions. So thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to the event tonight. We're going to have about 60 minutes of panel discussion, and we wanted to have about 30 of Q&A with the audience. Um, not sure if we're going to make the entire 30 minutes, but feel free to brainstorm and keep your questions at bay, and we'll reserve some time at the end to answer those so you can pitch them to the panel or to Rick. Thank you again for coming. Without further ado, here is Rick Franzi. You're listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show Speaker Series. This show is a live panel discussion in front of an audience of CEOs and executives from the Southern California business community with your host, Richard Franzi. Good evening. My name is Rick Franzi. You probably know that by now because of the warm introduction that both Dean Salt gave me and then the introduction that Asia Celestino just gave me, and I want to thank her for that. I am... Um, I want to set my phone. Speaking of technology and its impact on business, this has to be one of the most important pieces of technology that has impacted not only business, but our life. Would you agree? How fundamentally different we are as social creatures because of this enabling device. And so I'm going to enable it to start my timer so I know to keep us on schedule. I have, can you hear me all right? Yeah. All right. Uh, I love coming to Long Beach. I uh, will be talking later this month at UCI. I have talked at Cal State Fullerton and Chapman and Brandman. I love to be able to lead these panels, uh, see the energy in the room, just a few ground rules. We're audio taping this today for a part of our Critical Mass radio show college speaker series. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you would not only like to get this show, 
but my regular weekly interview shows where I interview CEOs and business owners across Southern California. I've done over a thousand live interviews in the six years that I've done my radio show. So let's have fun. We need some energy. I recognize it's not seven o'clock in the morning, it's six something in the evening. You've all had a long day. There's a hundred other places you could probably be, maybe watching the Angels game, <laughs> Dodgers game, yeah. Ducks, Giants. Not <laughs> Giants, okay. Not a good call, but I'll take it because you're the dean. Uh, and, and I think, I think the uh, Lakers. It's my pleasure to host this panel discussion. And what does that mean? I need to keep the energy high, help the panel to give the best answers to the questions, and engage you as an audience so that you leave here going, I'll come back to the next event that they put on because this one was worth my time and effort. So uh, I'm going to just go down the panel with a, you have it in front of you. Please read along with me. In front of you is a piece of paper with each panelist's unique qualifications. Mo Davudian is our first panelist. Since 1995, Brain Zoo Studios, great name, has consistently raised the bar in computer graphics animation for feature films, commercials, interactive media, and other platforms by streamlining processes and tools that deliver quicker outcomes without compromising quality. Let's give a round of applause for Mo. He understands etiquette. You generally don't applaud for yourself. <laughs> Panelists, take a lesson. <laughs> Sophie Lee, chair of the IS Department, College of Business Administration. Dr. Lee received her PhD in information systems from University of Texas in 1995 and joined the CBA family in 1998. She's published a variety of research and scholarly activities, including a recent work titled Evidence of Financial Restatements and Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which was published in 2013. Give it up for Dr. Lee, please. John Nardella, Redgate Software Incorporated. Redgate is an independent software vendor known for its expertise in SQL Server, Oracle, and Cloud Solutions. How many of us have been exposed to the term Cloud Solutions and Cloud Computing? Right? There's a technology that is so pervasive now, and how long ago did it start? And how do you run your business without it? Headquartered in the UK, the company offers reliable technology that allows IT to keep up with business demands with extensive expertise in finance and cost accounting and a keen understanding of software development lifecycle methodologies. Mr. Nardella offers sales engineer, sales education for mid to enterprise level customers. John Nardella, give him a round of applause. And in the unenviable position of being last, but I don't think Dylan has any problem with being last in this group, right? Dylan Watkins, founder of OCVR, virtual reality meetup group called OCVR, was launched in March of 2014. The focus is to bring together like-minded developers with a passion for developing a VR and AR experience. We'll be talking more about that. The company provides the ability to make a VR AR experience by hosting several VRAR hackathons, demo nights, along with educational classes. With their members, they build virtual augmented reality experiences and demo them at public events. Give it up for Dylan Watkins, please. We're going to take at least two commercial breaks during that time. We're going to be playing commercials for our audio that you'll hear when you listen to us on iTunes, but we're also, that's a chance for you to decompress and do what you need to do. There'll be just a couple minutes, not very long, to give the panelists a chance to kind of reset. Without any further ado, let me turn the attention away from me in the room, and let's ask the panel. So, Sophie, the reason why I wasn't going to let you answer this question, because I wanted to ask since you are a PhD and all, do you have any statistics or numbers that would give us context? Well, actually, uh, this uh, question is on the cheat sheet. <laughs> so I did try to look it up, and I think it's quite uh, difficult. If you think about what's the nature of innovation changed in the last 10 years, uh, any number, I would say 100%, if not 1,000%. Look at 10 years ago, what were we doing and what are we doing today? Uh, so I think it's very, very difficult to quantify. What I can tell you is that back in 1965, uh, there was a historical paper by Dr. Moore, and it's Moore's principle. Hmm. So he predicted that uh, computation power doubles 
every 18 months. And this paper was written in 1965. I'm not going to tell you my age, but <laughs> that's almost as old as I am. And look at that prediction. That's uh, almost, what, uh, 50, years, 50 ago. years ago? It's actually correct. So if you look at the power of computation, every 18 months, it doubles, OK? So imagine at first it doubles this way, then it doubles this way, this way, this way. So if you just look at recent 10 years, I think it's quite incredible. And then what I can uh, address will be the innovations in the business world. Uh, I think the two biggest trends right now are called analytics, the big data. I'm sure you all heard of that. Mm -hmm. And also the connectivity of everything that's happening around us. Right? Everything is sensor-based. Uh, when you drive a car, they know what's, what's your driving speed, where you are. Uh, your electric, uh, electricity meter, right? They know how much electricity you're using. Uh, we're all writing comments online, text uh, messages. So now all that data can now all be connected at any moment of the day, and the company are able to utilize those data. I think that's a tremendous power of innovation. Thank you. So I think it's uh, pretty similar to what you guys have been saying with regards to speed at which companies need to react, uh, and that goes for the software development side. So uh, years ago, and I wasn't a part of it then, uh, there was a term called waterfall development, which is where teams would spend a large amount of time planning uh, the software development uh, that they're about to do and then releasing it all at once. Uh, now it's switched over to what they call agile, or the more advanced term of agile is continuous delivery, where teams are uh, releasing smaller feature sets and getting value out to the business as fast as they can uh, to get that feedback on, um, on those releases. So that's the real uh, change that's still ongoing and uh, probably the biggest thing going on in our industry. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO peer groups. CEO peer groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to Critical Mass College Speaker Series. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We're so excited to be here on the campus of Cal State University at Long Beach with the wonderful live audience. My thanks to Dr. Dean Salt for, uh, for Dean Salt for having us here. It's a, it's a pleasure to host another live event. We're doing a panel discussion tonight on technology and innovations in technology, which is a critically important business issue for those of you that are listening to, a, to us as a podcast, maybe on iTunes or Stitcher or Speaker or one of the other podcasting services that we use. I'd like to come back now and start by asking Mo, and then I'll ask John and Dylan in that order. But Mo, can you talk about what are the biggest issues at the forefront in your industry? Um, one of the biggest issues right now in my industry is actually it's a uh, it's a 
great thing and it's also a curse at the same time, and that's globalization. Because in, in my industry, as we started out uh, 20 years ago, it was very contained to here in the States. And all of the work that was handed out or dished out was to very few companies that actually could do the work. And as time has gone on and other uh, countries have uh, brought the innovation and the technology into what they're doing, um, they're able to do things at a much cheaper price than we're able to do here in the States. So that's become a real huge challenge for us, especially in the past three, four years. A lot of the big studios that were doing the effects or animations for um, the movies or TV have wind up going belly up because it just could not change uh, with the times. As uh, recently as maybe even a month ago, uh, DreamWorks PDI closed down, uh, which is a huge, huge uh, uh, earthquake in the industry because that's a, uh, an amazing company that just folded up. So that's one of our, our biggest um, uh, challenges right now is the globalization. And uh, what we're having to do is look for technology and innovate our process and what we use in our studio in order to do the work at a higher quality, at a faster um, schedule, at a reasonable price so that our clients don't wind up going overseas. And we've been relatively successful with it uh, since we have continually over the past 20 years have kind of blended back and forth between the film business and the gaming business and taking what's best in one industry and applying it to another industry. And what we've been able to do over the course of the past uh, 10 years has been utilizing the gaming um, technology within the film business. Uh, so any, anybody who plays video games knows that how the graphics have gotten a lot more, a lot more interesting and gotten a lot more realistic. And we're, you know, we're one of the few companies that embraced that technology early on about 10 years ago and really delved into it seeing that this is going to be the future of what film is going to be like. So we're able to get in there now and do either TV series or effects or even animated films for our clients utilizing this technology, being able to do it at a faster um, schedule, maintaining a high level of quality and still being relatively competitive when it comes to price. Thank you. John? So for the industry that I'm in, uh, there's really still no definition of the right way to build software. It's evolving over time. Uh, it's not like uh, you know, when people are building a bridge, they know, you know the right way to do it. It's pretty defined. Uh, with software, it's evolving over time. And so best practices change. Automation's introduced. So the challenge uh, you know, for our industry is, is keeping up with the pace of that and evolving to uh, you know, fit in with the new processes and best practices that are coming out. So um, you know, there's still a long way to go, and uh, that's definitely the biggest challenge for us. In a hyper-competitive industry. Yeah, very hyper-competitive. Beautiful. Thank you. All right, Dylan? Yeah. I think we have a similar issue with it still being the wild, wild west of VR. <laughs> and so there's no established best practices on what to do. Everyone's just figuring it out on the fly and, and, and developing in the vacuum. And so uh, a lot of the challenges are you have this new free world that allows you to roam around anywhere, but then you have frame control with directors and storytelling. So how do you blend this together in a cohesive way to make a, a new novel experience? So how do you control the, fl uh, the frame of what the viewer is looking at, at the same time allowing them to go anywhere in that world and explore it? And um, a lot of people have come up with different solutions for this stuff, but bringing you into this all new presence of reality is a challenge we're still facing. So. OK. Moving right along, Dr. Lee, in your opinion, what are the most popular initiatives that are influencing innovation in business and markets today? Well, I would think uh, part of innovation, of course, coming from market needs, right? When we see a market such as virtual reality or new software development model, right, or 
uh, a different, maybe a better way to produce animation, then that's when innovation come in. But I also think a lot of innovation happen uh, out of uh, just by chance, uh, out of finding new niches in the market. Uh, I can share one of the recent uh, uh, article on People magazine. Uh, you know when you now watch YouTube, they also force you to watch four seconds of advertisement, right? Don't you all, yeah, see that? So what happened is, nowadays the content are not provided by YouTube. You and I, we are producing the content, okay? So when others watch your content, YouTube take the money from the advertisers. So the four seconds, if you have millions of uh, clicks on your video, maybe about your dog, your cats, right? So you actually get some money out of that and YouTube does too. And then last year, the highest paid uh, YouTube content provider is called CD Toy Collector. Have you heard of the story? They got paid $4.5 million. And what did they do? There's a lady open up toys, play with the toys, about half an hour. And then she uploads one video a day. So there's about 1,600 videos now. And her click rate a day is a half a million. 500,000 clicks a day. Why? All the kids are bored at home. <laughs> okay, you wanna take them where Disneyland, the park every day? No. Uh, you wanna pop a new video in, you don't have a new one every day. This lady played toys, new toy every day. So based on the users, the kids loved it. They played this video over and over and over again. Yeah. See, that's a new innovation because now we can remember you have access to everybody in the world. Imagine that power. Even you can satisfy 0.1% of the population of their special needs, you'll be very rich. I don't know how many of you have cut the cord who don't have TV, uh, cable, direct TV. Can I see a show of hands of any cord cutters in the room? What a fundamental change in innovation and technology that is. Um, some people that I've talked to find the world more interesting by living through and with experiences on Facebook, Twitter of people they know and people that they trust than watching news on TV. And I think we're seeing a very subtle change in power from influence, from away from large corporate conglomerates who think they have the knowledge. A couple years ago, I was listening to a radio interview with a New York Times reporter, a field reporter, who covered breaking stories around the world. And he said to the interviewer that if you really want to get breaking news fast, that you should follow the Twitter feeds of the reporters who are in the field because they'll break the story in their Twitter account before their editors will release the story on their website. And I thought, wow, here you, a New York Times reporter telling people not to subscribe or go to their, his, his employer's website. Eventually, it may be to the point where it's the individual that you have the most trust in, not the institution. And innovation and technology are driving those subtle but ever advancing changes. If you saw something in your Facebook from a friend who posted about a story and then you saw it on Fox or MSNBC, which account might you think is the most accurate? Your friend's version or the version on the nightly news? Which one could you follow up on to get more information more readily? Your friend or the nightly news? Over time, ladies and gentlemen, this predator of a phone is becoming everything. A camera, a videotaping machine, a recorder, a music player. Eventually, with FaceTime and other tools, it is your video communications tool. It is amazing to me to see how much power we have thanks to innovation and technology and varies. And it's a collaborative effort, right? No one company can do this right. It takes a team of companies and creates tremendous wealth for a lot of individuals because of the fact that it's the right idea. And we should take a quiet minute, we won't spend a minute, but at least two seconds to remember Steve Jobs. 
because if it weren't for him, I'm not sure our smartphones would be as smart as they are today. So please bear with me for one second. He earned that right to do that. What a disruptive influence. Okay, we have just a few minutes left until our next commercial break, but I did want to ask Mo, are you ready, Mo? Go ahead, Amy. Can you define sustain, uh, sustainable innovation? Sustainable innovation to us, I think it means um, producing twice the amount of work, twice the amount of level of quality, and half the amount of time. Wow. Write that down. <laughs> the next Moore's Law, right here from Mo tonight. All right. John? Sustainable innovation, uh, well, in our industry, is about not sinking the ship uh, that the business is currently on while looking at the potential opportunities in front of you and then looking at potential opportunities that are going to be 10 years ahead and being able to translate that um, as it's coming. So uh, that's really you know, our definition of, uh, my definition of sustainable innovation. Great. Dylan. Yeah, I mean, ours is, is focusing more on just the profit, doing it, doing it for a passion and a, and a purpose. And if you can stay to that goal, then you're going to sustain. But if you're just doing it for the bottom line, you'll lose sight and eventually head off the rails. Which is very common, which is all too common, right? Private company, great idea, strong leader, gets a product, gets money, gets outside influence, goes public, everybody gets rich. Can't do it again. All right, I'm going to leave the question, the last answer to that question to Sophie. Well, I actually again look it up. So, <laughs> well, sustainable innovation, because we can see innovations coming out all the time, right? But not every innovation finally made it to the market and be able to survive, right? Imagine how many brilliant ideas not even show up to the market. Or after it shows up to the market, then it was killed by poor management or by competition or by fading interest and so on and so forth. So I think when we have an innovation, we have to think about the strategy that comes with it, how to make it sustainable. So I think that will be the management lesson for that, sustainable innovation. Thank you. So it, uh, based on what, what I would like to add is, I often think, uh, why, why is that a lot of two-people company, right? Look at Apple Computer when they started, two-people company can just fly out so quickly. When they grow to be a 20,000 people company, it's like dragging their feet whenever they want to move an inch ahead. Because the organizational structure has changed. If you want to be innovative, you have to be really, really quick. You probably have to almost act on your instinct, right? There's no time for board meeting, right? To get through 10 layers of stamps and all that. So I think as a, a small company, it's probably easier when you take an idea, you go and run for it. And then you become larger and larger. You're happy hiring more branches and managers and MBAs, right? <laughs> so layers and layers, and that, that organizational structure does not complement or fit the innovative spirit anymore. So I think that could be something that we can all think about. Excellent. Uh, a final thought on that. I, I attribute this quote to, this, to Steve Jobs, but I might be wrong or I might be misquoting it. But what I believe an entrepreneur once said is, the problem with growing your company is we have a few smart people, and then we have to hire a couple more people. They're not as smart as the few smart people that we started with. And then they hire a couple more people, and they're not as smart as the people that we hired that they hired. And then they hire a couple more people, and they're not as smart as the people that they hired. And eventually, I end up with a company where nobody is very smart anymore. And the challenge is scaling a company and keeping that entrepreneurial ability. So maybe sustainable engineering is don't let a large company buy your IP. Believe in yourself enough to take it to market. Don't let somebody else take it and shelve it or ruin it for you. Are you ready to tap into the power of social media to promote your business? It's easy to get social with Turn Up the Volume, the award-winning social media marketing professionals who know how to get results drive web traffic, boost sales, get social today. Visit www.turnupthevolume.com 
That's TurnUpTheVolume.com. Are you looking for your successor? Someone as dedicated and experienced in their field as you? Executives Unlimited delivers the top executive talent you need for your company's long-term success. 98% of our clients re-engage us for additional hires and over 90% of the executives placed by us since 2007 are still in their positions or have been promoted. That's twice the industry's average retention rate. How do we do this? Dedication. Executives Unlimited believe success isn't success until it's long-term. Call us to invest in your long-term success. 562-627-3800 or visit us at executivesunlimited.com. Let our long-term success leverage yours. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show, our college speaker series. We're so excited to be here at California State University Long Beach campus. Please give us a round of applause for being at Long Beach. I have to thank Dean Salt for his gracious invitation that brings Critical Mass back for our second time on campus. We love to be here today. We're talking about innovation and business and how technology is driving innovation. We have an all-star panel that we're, we're talking about a lot of issues, and if you Aren't familiar with Rick Franzi? In addition to hosting the radio show, I also author books. Two of my most recent books are Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, and The Power of CEO Guiding Principles, now in its third revision with over 120 uh, input and insights from different business leaders in Orange County. Both of, our books are, both of my books are available online at Amazon.com. Just type in Richard Franzi. You can also listen to the uh, radio show off of Apple iTunes. Again, type in Critical Mass Radio Show. Up will come the logo, and you can subscribe and get our weekly radio shows done every week here in Orange County, California. I'd like to turn the tables, ladies and gentlemen, to the live audience and say, is there anyone seated out here, and all of you, that would like to ask one of or the entire panel a question? If there is, please just simply raise your hand, and we will bring you a microphone. You have a question? OK, so we have a gentleman in the back that's going. Oh, okay. Uh, we have a gentleman in the back. We have a question. Could you stand up? Sure. Okay. Could you uh, Line up over here. just come over here and ask the question from the dais? We're going to do big time, you baby. We're going to put you up on this. Let's give it up. State your name and ask the question. Okay. Up? Right up here. Oh, stri oh, straight up on the stage, huh? You're the man. I guess so. I wish I had better content than a question to ask. I should actually brought the question. Yeah. Um, hi, my name is John Beck, and my question for you is, you know, everything's changing so fast. So I work in a technology company, and I feel like I'm always having a hard time getting in front or figuring out what's going on. How do you keep yourselves up to date? What are, like, some maybe daily tasks that we can do or some goals that we can set to try to keep in front of, you know, the ever-changing technology? Let's start by giving him a round of applause for coming up here and being. How's it feel, huh? Love it. You're a natural, man. Your kid's a natural. He's a natural. All right. Who wants to go first? All right, Dylan. Um, and your question specifically around how do you stay informed on that technology? Like, how do you keep up to date with, like, the cutting edge, this, that, or the other? Like, that's, yeah? Sure. Um, with any industry, or at least at least with the VR, I'd say, um, there's, there's nexus points of information, places where people coagulate together to try and solve complicated problems. Forum groups, online, YouTube, you know. Uh, our different, YouTube is like the lowest hanging fruit for people to absorb information. You know, most, most people get it from forums because it's written a lot easier to write, harder to digest. So for me, I noticed that a lot of the written forums like Reddit and all the subreddits, uh, do you know Reddit? Raise your hand. Oh, okay. See, people that know the internet, people that don't. So Reddit, uh, Reddit's like the front page of the internet, and so everyone goes there, and there's subreddits for everybody. So you'll find a subreddit for anything and everything. Um, I like going on those types of forums to staying up to date. It's it's same thing with Twitter. It's real people putting real information down with no barrier of information and then exchanging it freely. So, Thank you, Dylan. I'll go ahead and add to that. Um, I'll say I, I, I agree with uh, what you said because a lot of the information we get is also on forums because, uh, like I said earlier, you've got a 
massive number of people around the globe that are utilizing various different technologies and are involved in different companies, even software companies that may be uh, on these forums, and they're the ones that may be, be throwing out what the, what's coming up or what they're using or how they're using it. Or they'll come in with a completely different technology that has nothing to do with your industry or the business, but they'll apply it somehow in an innovative way in a project they're working on, and that'll spark something, and you'll run with it doing something else that'll set you ahead of everybody else. And that's usually where we get most of our, um, you know, what's going on in the industry or what's coming out. Sophie or John? So, uh, the way that I keep up to date with the innovations that are happening is uh, I try and follow a lot of the thought leaders uh, that are out there and, and see what they're thinking. And then there's also a lot of uh, people who are, you know, testing out some cutting edge processes and new technologies. And so you find a lot of that information through blogs uh, and uh, community events. The software community is pretty uh, intertwined. And so attending those types of events and uh, paying attention to the, to the leaders there uh, definitely helps. Uh, also, a lot of the top companies um, out there um, are definitely models to look at because you know they have the resources and the talent to execute some of these new processes and utilize some of the new technology out there. So you can look at companies like Google and, and Facebook and really learn a lot about how um, they, they use the new uh, processes and technologies out there. So just kind of keeping your eyes and ears open to uh, you know, what people are doing out there. And, and it, it's a great community, so you know you can find information quite fast. Beautiful, Sophie. What I can add to is uh, I can consider my line of business more uh, uh, back in application development for businesses. So if you can imagine, every business has their entire operating system running to support their business operation. Now, I, what I can tell you is what I learned back in 1970s. Those programming languages set a very solid foundation. Until this day, the foundation of programming is still the same. Uh, the, the, the languages itself may change, the platform changes, the interface changes, but if you have the solid training, then I think you're actually set. Right? So that's why I often tell my information system students, which I see a lot of them right here, make sure you got a solid grasp on programming, on database, on analysis and design concept. And when you work in a company, be, remember two things. Solve the problem and communicate. Then you can go a lot of places. Excellent. Okay. State your name and ask your questions. Uh, my name is Rodney Bowles. Um, my question was surrounding uh, what you had spoke about with globalization um, and just how you know it's having such a major impact. Um, so I guess my major question concerning that is: Do you feel like there's any benefits? to your business and how globalization is shaping it? Um, or is it just one of those things where it's really just driving down the cost and just forcing you to have more output with less, with less capital to do that sort of thing? Um, well, within my industry, uh, it drives down the cost considerably uh, based on if you can do the same task somewhere else for a third of the price, why wouldn't you? Uh, the challenge for our clients becomes who's going to manage it and do they actually trust that they're going to get the level of quality that they are hoping to get. Just because it's cheaper doesn't mean it's better. Um, so we, we, at some points, at times, we may outsource to another country that is cheaper so that we can uh, help our bottom line, but then we will heavily have to manage that in order to maintain the level and standard that we deem fit for our clients. So it's kind of a give and take. Um, and, and in the future, it may be that we become the middle management company and all of the work is sent out somewhere else and we just manage the heck out of it and make sure that there we're getting exactly what we feel that the, the client deserves. Any other pan? Yes, yes, sorry. I think that was specifically directed to Mo, but it, or if there are other questions, anybody else want to comment on Don't feel obligated. We've got a line of people ready to ask you another question. All right, come on up. Talk about dress for success. Look at this. <laughs> ah, I love it, man. I was, just told, I was just told it'd be a formal event. It is a formal. <laughs> okay. Is, is this on? Yeah. Okay, my name is Stephen Simmons. Uh, 
I mean, this question is going to be pretty. This question might seem pretty broad. Uh, in terms of your industry, what would you say is the biggest? Well, in your opinion, what would you say is the biggest example of innovation slash change in your industry, and how has it affected you, like say personally, or how you do your job within that company industry? In Sophie Lee's case, your experience as an instruct as a college professor or instruct slash instructor. Thank you. Give me a round of applause. <laughs> Sophie, we're going to ask you to start, and then you other gentlemen, if anybody wants to add to that, you're welcome to. Please do. Well, I think uh, technology went through a lot of changes these days, and the two biggest buzzwords right now will be analytics and security. Mm. Yeah, these are probably the two biggest innovation. Analytics involving we not only be able to process data, we can utilize statistical knowledge to make sense of the data. And then also, I also tell my students, right, if you want to have a successful career in, in analytics, make sure you got good grade in statistics. <laughs> because there are lots of database people, lots of people who can write queries. But who can write a query and understand whether this is significantly different from another one? If you can know both, yeah. And also, the second thing is the challenge of security. Now, in the past, the database, the, the crown jewel of what all the thieves try to steal, right, the crown jewel, are locked up in the vault in the company. Only a few people have access to it. But now, everything goes through internet. You open up all these channels and ways for people to steal your data. So that's, I think, is another very important uh, innovation that's going to be needed in the industry. Thank you. Gentlemen, anyone? Oh, yes. Yes, you. Anybody else want to address the question? Um, well, actually, what I thought was interesting for you was the, the two things that most people are concerned with is I want to know what everyone else is doing, and I don't want them to know anything that I'm doing. <laughs> so let's just keep that, you know, <laughs> analytics and security. Um, so I guess with VR, I mean, it's, it's changing everything. It, the ability, um, language was a way to communicate experiences, things that you experience that you can then share to other people, getting what's in here out to someone else. Uh, virtuality is the ultimate form of shared experiences. Um, so it, it fundamentally shapes everything you're doing because never before could you perfectly one-to-one -one translate an experience vocally, with music, with pictures, any other way to do it other than actually experiencing it for yourself. Um, so it's fundamentally changing everything because it literally, you are now the masters of your own reality. And that is something that humans have never had before. So. John? Yeah, so I think for us in the kind of agile movement, it's, it's uh, causing the business to be tied a lot more closely to the IT uh, world, and I think that's definitely something that's uh, impacting me uh, who comes from, from a business side of things. So businesses need to be uh, you know, really aware of the technology that's out there, how to leverage it, the direction of it, and um, I think there's like a quote out there that's like, you know, software is eating the world. Uh, you know, every business is a software project. Um, so... Um, you know, that definitely, you know, impacts all of us who are you know, tied to business in some way, shape, or form. Thank you. Come on down. Good evening. Uh, my name is Jonathan Green. I currently work in the transportation industry. And my question was regarding, I don't know if you noticed lately, there's this, these Google cars with the as far as self-driving. And I was looking at, currently there's a driver shortage as far as truckers, like with the port, and you know, of course, with union issues. And I was wondering, what strategy would you advise, because I'm probably sure it's gonna get to the point where we're gonna have driverless trucks, but what strategy should, would you advise that we, but I see this, how we would just get the public to be more receptive, because the average person is not kind of, a, I guess, assured of, you know, just some machine just running wild. But uh, I was just curious, what uh, or what advances do you see, or which way we could, you know, make it more acceptable? Give them a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> Driverless vehicles. Who would like to take that one on? Oh man, <laughs> that one. Uh, I don't have any experience in, in his industry, but we experience a lot of this with uh, new methodologies in software development, and I think it takes like the leaders to prove. Um, you know, leaders and the pioneers to prove out some of the new stuff that's going on, and it would probably most likely be the same for that industry. So, um, you know, 
Facebook and Google and the, the really high-tech companies have proven a lot of the things out that seemed really scary to software development teams. Um, and now it's, because of the proof, it's kind of become a lot more acceptable to develop the way teams are developing these days. So I would think that that same trend would, would occur in the transportation industry. Maybe not as fast because of the risk and everything, but surely it would probably take that route. Um, driverless cars. I don't think, I don't think people don't want them. I, I can't imagine people not wanting driverless cars. I think insurance companies don't want driverless cars. I think government officials that write tickets to make their paycheck don't want driverless cars. Um, but if you go on Kickstarter right now, there's people who are doing Kickstarter campaigns that go, hey, give me money and I'll make your car driverless. And who here wants to drive their own car? Wouldn't you rather program, um, uh, go, me, go to In-N-Out, get me a, you know, uh, number one, I'm going to be sleeping in the back, just ring the buzzer when it's ready and just dump it into my mouth, you know? <laughs> Who doesn't love that? Like, so I just, I don't, I don't think it's acceptability by the general populace. I think it's just, there's a system set up so that certain people succeed, and when new innovation comes and push those people out, they'll hold on until they can't. I can add to that if you like. Please do. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll give this more of a blue sky approach from an entertainment uh, vision. I look at it this way. Right now there are cars and as uh, technology moves forward, the technology gets smaller and smaller, small enough so that it fits into a drone. So you won't see the cars anymore, you'll see the drones flying around. And that'll be controlled, I'm sure, by a computer rather than by a person. And you have many of them flying around, you know, taking all the snapshots and the pictures of your neighborhoods as they're doing right now with the cars. Anybody have a drone as a toy or a hobby? Do you ever hear about the taco copter? Do you hear about that? No. No? Someone want to do a taco delivery service with quadcopters, oh, drones? Yeah, yeah. And there, there's a whole TED talk about this thing. But, but basically, they get in this whole deal with Taco Bell. They're supposed to transport like thousands and thousands of tacos across the Golden Gate Bridge and all that fun stuff. And, uh, they, and it's like weeks before the big event, the big launch of the new uh, Doritos taco shell. And come to find out, they get in the big meeting room with all the taco lawyers and executives and all that stuff. And they say, it's great. Does anybody know if this is legal? <laughs> come to find out uh, that the well, FCC doesn't allow for any commercial purposes. Mm. And, and, and the guy, the kids thought, the startup kids thought because, you know, they weren't charging the patrons, it wasn't for commercial purposes but you're dealing with a multi-billion dollar national company for the biggest promotion of their product. And so it got shut down by the FCC. Otherwise, if that didn't exist, if the FCC didn't do that, you'd have, you could literally pull out your app, hit give me a taco, and it would fly to your house and do it right now. But the FCC is limiting that, so. Well, isn't that what Amazon was trying to do, to make the deliveries that yeah. way? Yeah. 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 yeah, still trying. Still trying. Come on up. State your name, ask a question. Uh, my name is Mike Anderson. I'm an alumni of Cal State Long Beach. So this is actually two questions I'll, I'd, I'd like to get uh, all of your opinion on it. But uh, one for Mo, going back to sustainable uh, development, especially in technology, at what point does exponential development start squeezing profits to the point of unsustainability? And then um, to Dylan, uh, as far as the, kind of the frontiers and the dangers of virtual reality and augmented reality, what are you most excited about and what are you most fearful of? And, and this is kind of coming from, I saw this amazing short where it uh, was augmented reality uh, where you had uh, this guy that had a game, gamified version of life and he was, uh, he was a womanizer and a player and eventually the, you know, his, his vision of the world got seen by the other side and it kind of screwed everything up. So that's kind of coming from a future not too far from reality at the moment. So thank you. Thank you, Mike. Mike, would you answer first and then Dylan? Um, I think at the point where it will no longer become feasible is um, when a competitor does the same thing you're doing at less, for less. When your company becomes stagnant and you're lo no longer innovating at that point, you become equal to your lesser competitor. And that's when things start to go awry. And I think that's when you stop making money and that's when the issues will start. As long as you're innovating and you're staying ahead of your competition and your direction is, um, our company's direction with every one of our clients is different. The company goes where the client's going. Wherever the client's going, that's where we're going. And we could have 10 clients we're working with simultaneously, and they're all going different directions. We're going 10 different directions. 
but we have to make sure that if we're going all those directions, every single time we're doing something for them that the other guy's not doing. Because if we don't innovate, and as comfortable as it can get, and it can get very comfortable easily to do the same thing over and over again, and it can become, um, at first it can become very profitable, but it very quickly the company gets lazy and people get lazy, and then we just become stagnant. Dylan. Oh, sorry, John. Do you want to say, interject something? No, I just wanted to kind of uh, piggyback on that. It's kind of understanding the jobs that people are trying to do. And so there's this whole kind of theory called jobs to be done out there. And it's kind of based on, uh, you know, your customers don't need a quarter inch drill bit, they need a quarter inch hole. So understanding that, um, you know, and, and building your innovation towards that quarter inch hole. You know, while understanding the market size and, and value out there is uh, kind of the, the way that you know we we choose to innovate, and uh, a lot of great stuff on the internet. If you want to read up about it, Clayton Christensen's a Harvard professor who's uh, researching this. So, uh, the whole jobs to be done theory is really interesting, and that's how companies look to, to innovate. Great. So. Okay. Thank you, Dylan. Yes. You have a specific question, Dylan? Could you answer it for my? Yeah. Um, so, what I'm most excited about is I think we all grew up on TV, and TV sold us on a fantasy that technology is now trying to live up. And that fantasy is virtual reality, holodecks, flying cars, <laughs> 3D printers, all that stuff that people got inspired when they were younger, that they are now, they just, they want that. And, and I, I think that, you know, being able to have those that type of technology, that star tracking technology that is, you know, around the corner and being able to, that excites me the most, being able to, you know, have this little room. I got to try, do you guys, anybody know what the Vive is? HTC's Vive, yeah? It's like Oculus 2.0, and it was as close to the holodeck that I've ever seen, um, and it's something that's right around the corner, and that's something that got, gets me incredibly excited. At the same point, having full control over your reality is the most exciting thing someone else having full control over reality is the most scariest thing. Um, so there's things that you, we, we made at our hackathon, we made a virtual reality um, electric chair. <laughs> and it was, it was so much fun to do to other people. Um, and so you put it on, you're in a, you know, you're in a death chamber room and the lights are flashing, you see the thing, you see like the people watching you through the thing and it goes faster, faster and faster and eventually flips and you get shocked in real life. We hooked it up to two Spencer gum sticks and then you know, got shocked. And it was, it was great, but that, that sense of being trapped in there, because we strapped you down so you couldn't move, it's terrifying. Um, and there's other types of technologies that are coming out that you, you now have this one-to-one -one relationship. So what happens um, when, they, when they hook up virtual reality to a, um, a CAT scan or an EG machine or any of those types of devices that can read what you are thinking about at that moment in time. And so they have a direct control over your stimuli and response without you being able to give any type of input. So that type of technology is around the corner where you, you literally cannot hide a thing. And so um, it's very scary and questionable, but with new technology becomes new responsibilities, you know? If you had a knife when you started out, that one guy with a knife could only stab one or two people. Guy had a gun, he could shoot more people. Guy has a bomb, he can do it again. So more technology causes more responsibility. It's just, you know, how you use it. All right, by my watch, it says it's 7.30, which means we're supposed to be wrapping up. And so I'm going to ask the panel for their final thoughts. If they could keep their final thoughts 30 seconds or so, and then we'll finish a little bit late. I apologize for that, but I, I really was impressed with the people that came up on stage and asked the questions. I want to thank you for doing that. But final thoughts, and Mo, we'll start with you, and we'll just go right down the line. Final thoughts on the subject matter for today. Well, uh, final thought I think with uh, technology and innovation is uh, with everything that uh, you do or what we do, um, we, we make it an active effort that every project that we work on, the next one has to be twice as fast, twice as better, and we would try to make twice as much money. But we try and make everything much more streamlined and much more effective and much quicker and more effective for the company. I think when people think about technology, innovation is very romantic, but actually it's a lot of hard work. 
So that I want to share with all my students, uh, people who go in in information system thinking they're just clicking a button. Somebody is writing thousands of lines of code behind that button. So hard work and dedication, you'll be there. I guess my final thoughts are, uh, you know, coming from the business school is that there's uh, an incredible amount of opportunity out there for someone coming out of the business school. I, I graduated and thought I'd go work for a bank or just do accounting somewhere, and uh, there's a ton of space for the business mind um, in technology. So um, if you don't know how to code, it's, it's okay. There's still a ton of opportunity out there. So that would be like my, my final thoughts for everybody. Um, my, my final thoughts on this is I think people have a uh, information bias with the, the data that they're given and virtual reality is so new that there's no marketplace or anything like it out there right now. But tomorrow when it comes out, it's going to be out in full force. So Christmas time, just let you guys all know, this year Christmas is when the VR Blitz is going to hit everybody. So if you guys are interested in that, it's, it's highly recommended to get in front of the wave and not behind it. So if you have any questions for me on virtual reality, harass me before I make it out that door. All right? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, one, just one thought. Um, companies, somebody, you may know the name Wang Computers. You may, you may not. You may know the, the, the name Digital Equipment Computers. You may not. It may be a, an age thing. It, it may not. Um, I, I'm old enough to remember when Microsoft was the hottest technology company and they were feared because of their monopolistic dominance of the computer industry in their evil partnership with Intel. It was just formidable and undeniable that they set the trends faster processing, updated software, more feature set, and we just lived for the next cooperative revolution of technology. Today, Microsoft is not feared as much as they were. They are not viewed as they were. And so the, the thought that I want to leave you with, sorry, the thought that I want to leave you with is what company or companies that are out there today or that are going to be out there are going to make Google look like they're out of touch, that they're a step behind, that they're not the leader. If you believe in technology and innovation, and if you believe that the small groups of bands of entrepreneurs are the people that form the future, how can you deny that there won't be somebody somewhere that will come up with an idea that makes everything that makes Google so impressive a little less impressive? Do you think we're done, that the world is now defined by Google? Is Facebook the last social media way people connect? We're only beginning to see things. And so for those of you that are in the millennial generation and for those of us that plan to be around for a long time, we should be looking at what's next. Respect what's now, but realize there's something better coming. And maybe for some of you, you'll have a chance to be a part of that. And what a legacy to leave in the world. So I want to thank Dean Solt for the opportunity to be here to moderate this panel. I cannot thank this panel enough for the content and for all of you for being brave enough not to go home or go to the sports bar and be a part of the Critical Mass radio show speaker series in combination with the College of Business Administration at Cal State University, Long Beach. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. I hope you've had a good time as well. Good night. Marketing predictions are out for 2015, and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability, your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed, and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority? Contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer.
Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based Tea & Company delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at tandco.me. 